0: Dylan it's good to see you Dylan back from Chicago good to see him we're going through our series still and boy is this the most relevant series I could have for me anticipated for this time of year today we're talking about treasuring hope human beings are faithful creatures don't you agree Human beings are faithful creatures. Every person alive places faith in something. Remember, faith, as we've come to understand it, it's all about trust, right? Some place their faith in a higher power or a religion. Some place their faith in institutions or governments. Some place their faith in themselves and their perceptions or maybe... Most, if not all, humans do that. Some humans even place their faith in things like anxiety, trusting that something bad will happen. The Bible uses a plethora of language to communicate these ideas of faith and trust. Another word it uses often is the word fear. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Some of us from our old religious backgrounds were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, fear. That is, whatever you fear is what you place your trust in and what you follow. This kind of fear is not about horror, right? It's not about Stephen King and that kind of fear. It's more about knowing one's place before someone or something. The psalm we're going to examine today is Psalm 27. If you want to open to there in your Bible, you might do that. But it begins this way. It says, The Lord, Yahweh, the great I Am, is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord, Yahweh, is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? It's been said that fear is like a dark shadow that envelops us and ultimately imprisons us within ourselves. We've all chosen at some point or or another to place our fear outside of God. Amen? Maybe not amen to that. But do you know what I mean? Fear of rejection. Fear of being misunderstood. Fear of uncertainty. Fear of illness. Or even fear of death. We are made to fear God. We are made as human beings, to fear God above all else. And when this divine order gets out of place, it wreaks havoc on our hearts, minds, souls, societies, families, everything. Everything. It even impedes our ability to have hope. So that is what Psalm 27 is about. It's all about how do you have hope. It's a Psalm of David that offers us help for today, and hope for the future. It gives us the words that through the emotion of someone who fears God but is in desperate need of rescue. It teaches us the answer to anxiety and loneliness is an unwavering confidence in God. So if you go to Psalm 27, starting in verse 4, It says, one thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to see him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will be I will sacrifice with shouts of joy, and I will sing and I will make music to the Lord. David's greatest desire was to live in God's presence every day. Not just when things got hard, not when he totally exhausted his own resources, not when it was the last resort, but he sought to live in God's presence every day of his life. Sadly, this is not the same desire of many who claim to be believers today. What do you desire most? Do you look forward to remaining in the presence of God? So, speaking of David, sharing with us today is David, Bryant. When it comes to sharing on a psalm about hope, I believe fewer of us in this room are as well positioned today as David Bryant. For those who don't know, Dr. Bryant is an oncologist here in Wichita. That's right. He helps patients by providing a treatment for cancer that is safer cheaper and more effective than popular treatment methods. He's going against the system in a lot of ways to heal. David not only helped pioneer a more beneficial technology for cancer treatment, but he also encounters real people on a daily basis who are in desperate need of rescue and hope. And from the way David Presents himself, I don't know if you normally pick up on that. But that's heavy stuff. For anyone who's had cancer or who's had someone close with cancer, you know the feeling of hopelessness that comes with it. Therefore, David has agreed to share his insights into Psalm 27 and give us some. Uh, insight into what it means to treasure hope. So please, I pray that you open your hearts' minds and your Bibles, and we welcome David to come share with us.
1: Oh, that uh, introduction was a little over the top. <laughs> Thanks, Ethan. Uh, as he said, I'm David Bryant, my beautiful wife, Karen, I have two bo- lovely boys. Dylan and Drew, they're both here. Um, it's good to be back, we, uh, we've been out of town. We went to the uh, vision conference uh, in Orlando uh, and then unfortunately my uh, two cousins passed away from cancer and uh, we had a dual memorial service for them last weekend in Pittsburgh. Uh, they both, uh, w- uh, my first cousin Valerie, uh, she died of pancreatic cancer uh, and her memorial was last Saturday and her husband um, so my cousin through marriage uh, died of uh, small cell lung cancer and had his memorial on s- the following day on Sunday. Um, and so it, it's, uh, it was good to be able to see family, not in that way, but it was good to be able to uh, love them, uh, even to uh, be able to instill some hope um, in them uh, and, and comfort uh, all of our, our grieving process uh, through that. Um, I'm from the south side of Chicago. I know you hear a lot of bad things out of the south side of Chicago, and and they're mostly true. It's, (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, but that is my background. So I grew up uh, as a single child. My, um, my, I had uh, just my mother raised me. She was a school teacher. I went, I walked to the local public school. Uh, My mom didn't go to church, so I I walked to the local, church, there was actually a church literally half a block from my house, uh, and uh, I chose to pass that one and walk down to the one about two blocks from my house, uh, just because I knew the minister at the first one had an alcoholic alcohol problem, so th- as a little kid, I knew that, and I was like, okay, well, let me go down to this church, but... Um, But I uh, ended up going away to Brown uh, undergrad in the University of Chicago for medical school, rush uh, for residency, uh, and I treat cancer patients with uh, radiation. Um, It's just, we use surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, immunotherapy to treat cancer, and my specialty is to use radiation to uh, treat uh, patients. And so my job mostly is to talk to patients and I really go through, which is what you, if anyone talks to me, they know I like this counting of the cost. And no matter what you're doing, if you're going to go buy a car, count the cost. If you're going to buy a house, which school you go to, becoming a Christian. But certainly, um, the uh, my job is to help patients count the cost of the treatment options for their cancer. Uh, and so, uh, there's a lot of times, there is a standard of care, but most of the time, There are several options for patients when they're choosing which cancer treatment to get. And uh, my job is to present it, uh, hopefully in an unbiased way, the pros, the side effects, and the benefits that you would get, and be honest about it. Because a lot of times, as doctors, we want to over-push something, and it's kind of not the truth. So my hope is always to present it in a truthful manner, but to always provide hope, because no oncologist wants to be declared Dr. Doomsday, uh, and every oncologist gets that label at some point, the Grim Reaper or something. It's, it is something that we have to deal with all day, every day, in terms of telling the truth, yet instilling hope. And again, for me as a disciple, it, it is easy, because I can always go to, well, our hope should be in God, and uh, God has a place for us in heaven. And so for me, the death of cancer, dealing with that death is not such a big deal as most people would think. It's, it's something where I can present the gospel, provide that hope, uh, as well as treating their physical body. So I'm fortunate to be able to do that uh, uh, in my job. I work at Via Christi, which is a Catholic hospital system, uh, which also allows me to do that. We even have whiteboards in our rooms, and uh, people uh, get a chance to share and all the sharing on those whiteboards includes scriptures and, and mostly scriptures of hope. And so that's, it's a great environment to be able to work in that. Uh, but as you know, uh, again, I, I, I deal with uh, m- the, what culture I bring to the, the room as well as helping uh, or trying to understand the culture of my patients in order to be able to better communicate with them. Uh, Yesterday, I learned one thing. It's a little embarrassing. I did not know this, but uh, I did not know what the difference between hip-hop and rap was. So so I actually had to look it up, and uh, the difference is uh, hip-hop is actually a culture, and rap is a genre of music. So usually people are rapping in the the culture of hip-hop. Didn't know that. I was like, what's hip-hop? What's rap? And uh, my kids are probably... Rolling, yeah, I did not know the difference until yesterday. Uh, my culture growing up was, uh, was called, and you probably no one in this room has probably heard this, house music. So there, the, the, the musical culture of my day was house music. And to tell you the truth, one of the, the songs was Psalm 27. It was by Lil Lewis, Lil, L-I-L. Lil Lewis sang the song uh, the, uh, Psalm 27. And that was the whole song. And it's like you, you, you get that, uh, th- there was that little bit of preaching uh, during some of that house music uh, back in the day. So I, I still listen mostly to jazz and house music and my, and my kids. And I married my, uh, uh, ki- uh, Karn. she went to the same high school. So we have somewhat of an overlap of that culture of, uh, of house music. So we get to is still, to this day, enjoy house music. Um, So, but uh, being, again, going back to counting the cost, uh, again, that was a big deal for me uh, when I decided to become a disciple back in 1993. And, you know, part of that story of counting the cost was realizing, uh, one, what sin was and that you needed to repent of it, but uh, two, the biggest part of it for me was realizing that there was no way I could do that. The only way that I was going to be able to do that was through the power of God. And that was part of what we were taught when we counted the cross to become, a cost to become disciples of being able to put our faith and our hope and rely on God's power and not our own power. And so it also goes through a lot of the what ifs. Well, what if I know life is going great for you now, you're a, a resident and your life is going to be good, you're going to make a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. You you start running through the what-ifs. And again, that took me back to the Bible to understand the what-ifs. In our scripture that we looked at today, we looked at two things. One is to dwell in his house. So being able to dwell in God's house provides that hope, uh, provides that strength that we all need in order to, uh, uh, is how God's plan was. The other one is to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. So as uh, Ethan was saying that David had to do, he doesn't do it uh, in in times of desperation only. His, His mission was to dwell on the beauty of the Lord all the time, good times and bad times. And those two things really do help me sustain my faith, really did help me count that cost. I mean, as you know, um, uh, even looking back at the Israelites, the Israelites, uh, again, Abraham was told years before the Jews went into exile in Egypt that they would be enslaved. And I was like, ooh, that's, I mean, that's hard. It's like, they, so God knew, Abraham knew that the, his people would be ultimately enslaved and that was going to be okay. Uh, God knew that it was, again, by dwelling in his house, by gazing on his face, that it would sustain the Jews. And that was really the, the, the purpose of it. The, the Jewish uh, nation was enslaved for approximately 210 years out of their 430 years being in Egypt. But it, it allowed them to really sustain that life of, of being in servitude uh, and, and even the parallels with uh, being African American in America. That did actually help me make that uh, decision of making Jesus Lord. Even the life of David, uh, the psalmist who wrote that uh, Psalm 27, you look at his life and it was full of ups and downs. And through those ups and downs, he also had to dwell in the house of the Lord and to rely on his power and to look upon his face to sustain him. I mean, he was in times people were chasing him to kill him. Other times he was sitting high on the hill in his palace. Uh, so in all of those times, God expects us to have that hope of dwelling in his house and dwelling uh, and gazing uh, on his face. The other person I a- also think about is Job. So Job, in, the, in first jo- uh, Job, uh, 1 Job 1.3, it says, He was the greatest man in the East. It sounds, you know, it's kind of like... Um, Bezos and uh, what's the guy, uh, the Microsoft guys, like these two are like they own most of the wealth in the world. It's kind of like Job was one of those guys. So picture Job being one of those guys uh, and then having everything taken from him. And in that, God gives us this example of Job and his righteousness and faithfulness. And again, how does he get through that? He gets through it by dwelling in the house of the Lord and by gazing on the beauty of the Lord. Uh, otherwise, we would all, I- in our own power, uh, like his friends were saying, curse God and die. It's just one of those things. There's no way we could do this on our own. Uh, but God gives us this gift of, of, of his beauty, his, his, um, his majesty, uh, and his glory. And he gives us this promise of eternal life. Um, He he talks in Romans 8.18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of their present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. And as we learn uh, a lot through Michael Burns, we talked about having access to this eternal life by thinking of eternal life in more of the phrase of the age to come. And so when we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized into this age to come. So because Jesus is the embodiment of the age to come, he made that life available to all who have faith. The life of the age to come can be lived out as disciples right now. And that's really the hope that we're all able to have. We're able to have that by uh, viewing God's face, his glory, and by dwelling in his house, and by being part uh, in Jesus in the ages in the the age to come, and understanding that it's not just hey we're going to suffer now and then we're going to be able to get to heaven in eternity, but we're able to live that age to come here in the body of Christ now. So I, I thank God for for giving me those examples in the Bible, uh, for un- helping me see the really big picture for me to understand counting of the cost is something that he wanted it to do but wanted us to understand that really these are light and momentary problems and God has a a glory and waiting for us the here and now as well as eternity thank you for allowing me to share
0: man I am just I'm giddy on the inside, this this has been such a blessing for our community uh, this summer, to have such a, just a variety of people that are dear to us within our community to have a voice, to have a platform to share their insights from the same spirit that we all got yes. we go. from people that became disciples in 1993 to people that were born in 2003. I don't know when you were born. <laughs> Was that right? God is good. But you know me. I'm a little bit of a melancholic speaker. I know. It's a millennial thing. I grew up in the emo era. <laughs> Both. <laughs> but but David brings up those kind of three pictures of Israel, Job and David. I want us to think about that in the hope that each of those people or groups of people were able to have. But what got them there? Israel in a desert, wandering in a desert for 40 years. Job having all of his treasures in life stripped away. David being anointed at 16 and then spending his 20s running for his life and then finally becoming king when he's 30 and then running for his life again from his son. Where does hope come from? I think oftentimes we are in a desert and we're pretending that we're not. We're running for our lives and we're trying to ignore it. The Psalms are helping us. They're giving us the words. They're giving us the heart to be there. It's okay to be there. If you want to have hope, real hope, hope. Unwavering confidence in God to feel that in your bones. Allow yourself to be there. I implore you. I don't God does. Amen. As we prepare for communion. Let's be reminded of the hope we're offered today. Through the way of Jesus. In 1 Peter, if you want to turn there, you can. This passage has been nicknamed the great doxology. It just unpacks what we as Christians kind of look to when we talk about worshiping Jesus and who Jesus means to us. 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3, says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy... He's given us a new birth, listen to this, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, fade. Those stocks don't go up and down. They don't crash, baby. They're good. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who? through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. That's a hint for us. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that The proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Talk about manifesting, Gen Z, right? Like, let these words manifest. Amen? There's something about this living hope. Why not just say hope? But living hope. It's not just an anticipation of what one day will be. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But it's the experience of that anticipation here and now in the age to come that we are experiencing here and now in Jesus. Amen. David in the psalm and the psalms really all over are a blueprint for the heart to experience living hope. Therefore, we today are ending in the way that Psalm 27 ends. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Let's go to God in prayer and continue our time of communion. God, you alone are our light and you alone are the source of our salvation. Jesus points us the way to you. You are the stronghold of our lives. Everything else in life fails in comparison to your goodness and ability to overcome. Help us to dwell on the way of Jesus as we face temptations and trials today. Give us precisely what we need so that we can fix our eyes on you. We remain confident of this, God. We will see your goodness in this life. And we wait for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.